recording let's go cool hello my name's dom that's one half of it no that's not hello right. my I'm, name's dom i've completely missed the beginning of it hello my name's dom not a lot of people know that i <laughs> <laughs> <For> sake. <laughs> hello, hello my name's dom my name's this dom. week on the domcast i'm just talking about other famous doms there's dom littlewood from the telly there's and then uh, there's me, Tom, your mate from from the podcast. So this week, uh, if Dom's is Dom there, well, I sent him a Zoom invite, but he never got back to me. I figured he was just going to do it anyway. Um, Dom, Dom, are you, no, oh no, he's not there. So let me look up his Wikipedia page. I'm finished. You done? Yeah. You done? Okay, cool. We'll get on with it now, then, shall we? <laughs> Fuck's sake. Right. <laughs> hello, welcome to the Oncast. My name's Dom. As one half of the Oncast, I'm joined by Tom. Say hello, Tom. Hello. In this episode, we're continuing our quarantine catch-up by talking about Just Mercy, directed by Dustin Daniel Crescent, uh, Crescent yeah, and starring Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx. Yes. So, just mercy. So, yeah, I don't know like where this came from, really, well, but like it's something that sort of came about and um, immediately sort of piqued our interest, really, because mm. there's some of the kind of the film that we like. Yeah. So it's it's a bit of, it's a weird one because it was what you would usually call an awards film. Yeah. It came out that kind of time of the year. So it came out in sort of December, uh, November time in the US and then got came out over here in the UK around January time. Um, and it was very much, you got the sense that this is an awards bait or, you know, an Oscar bait movie. But for whatever reason, and I looked into this after the fact, it didn't get nominated for any Oscars and it didn't get nominated for any BAFTAs. Yeah. Not a single one. None of the acting categories, none of it got nominated for any of those. So whether that was the intention or not, that's not what it ended up being. Um, no. But it's interesting because of the subject matter and everything and the actors involved with it, everything around it, you would think that would be where it would get a platform. But for whatever reason, it didn't. Whether it was just beaten out by the competition this year or, or whatever. Um, but basically what it is, is it's a true story and it's about a lawyer called Brian Stevenson um, who is played by Michael B. Jordan, and in this film, it's about him setting up a um, initiative called the Equal Justice. Is it the Equal Justice Initiative? Um, uh, yes. Yeah. And it's about basically him taking on um, inmates who are on death row and trying to give them fair legal representation, and in some instances, get them off death row and get them acquitted. Um, and it focuses on one particular case. Um, of a guy called Walter McMurray, who is played by Jamie Foxx in this movie. Yeah. Is it, sorry, I think I'm that wrong. Is it McMurray? McMillan, sorry, Walter McMillan. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, and that's essentially the whole story is about, it's about this particular man who's been put on death row, who's been convicted of a murder. Um, and this lawyer, Brian's young black lawyer who goes down to the South, goes down to um, Monroe County um in the states and basically tries to exonerate him and the story goes from there really yeah i mean one thing that i can't remember off the top of my head um is how did he come to learn of the case he didn't just go to, he went down there to because it was alabama and there was an inordinate number of african american people on death row mm. is that Am I right? Yeah, so my understanding is that yeah, he he chose that to be his base. He originally there's a scene at the very you know start of the movie where he's still in law school or still you know interning at a law firm and goes to a, a, a jail where he has to deliver the news to someone that they're going to be um, that they haven't set a date for their execution yet. Essentially, some of the ones. Oh yeah, he said because he's gonna got further details in his trial that yeah, they're not so, going to set an execution date so all that happens for another year yeah exactly so he goes in and tells this guy that and this guy that he's talking to he's about the same sort of age as him 
and he starts talking to him and that's where he sort of gets his idea in his head of how mad crazy this situation is and how someone just like him who grew up in the same neighborhood as him and all the rest of it could have ended up being put on death row like this yeah um and from that it then sort of the movie then skips over a couple of years and the idea is that he goes down to this particularly you know difficult neighbor um part of the world where it's a particular problem um and he essentially just conducts interviews with all the different um death row inmates and and walter is one of those um and that's where yeah and he starts saying that he's going to be representing these people sort of pro bono because they didn't have the um uh they weren't given the appropriate sort of legal counsel that they were entitled to like legally entitled to they just weren't given that yeah and that you look back not only were they not entitled sometimes the the defense lawyers would like they would be openly you know okay with the death penalty or they'd be they wouldn't even attempt to try and help them in any way or they would you know tell them to enter guilty um guilty pleas and all this sort of stuff um and just woefully inadequate and that like just it delves into this particular case and, and this is a spotlight on this particular case and the more it gets into it the more unjust and ridiculous it becomes um and it's, and it's scary and particularly when you then go off and i've done a little bit of reading around well how true is all this and it's 100 percent true yeah. like everything about it so, so like the, the, this particular conviction for jamie fox's character was he was convicted of murdering a um an 18 year old white woman um in like the middle of the day and there was and the entire um case was built on the testimony of one witness who was another criminal who was being tried for something else and was put under pressure essentially to give this false confession like a lot unreliable witness yeah he's a massively unreliable witness whereas he had a, a solid alibi which was then like during his trial dozens of people were able to place what say where he was i know like again doing more reading about it there's the, some more stuff in there that's even more unbelievable like one of the people who was able to say yeah he was at with his family was a police officer yeah that is in the film I think oh, so, no, no, no no the police officer yeah. that they do interview is the guy who's who refused to change where the body was because yeah. basically the the um the piece of evidence that they have the actual the um testimony that they convict him on states yeah. this is where i saw him standing over the body the body was in this position which doesn't add up with what the first responders who turned up and saw the crime scene in the first place saw so when they they ask or they try to strong arm the cop into changing his testimony so that it fits with the convicting testimony he refuses to do it and loses yeah. his job it's just like it's it's really scary. It's really scary. It's fucking frightening. That's one of the things that my girlfriend and I were saying while we were watching it. We're like, it's so fucked that this is real. Yeah. And not only was this is is this real, but it's it's recent. And then you look back to other cases, and you're like, this is still happening. These yeah. sort of things are yeah. Well, you get that shocking. You get that amazing piece that you get at the end of a lot of these um, true life. Uh, movies will end in the same way where they they give you some text and some um footage of the real people um yeah. and one of them is there's because the, you meet some of the other inmates on death row and you hear some of their stories um and there's a guy who was like in the cell next to walter o'shea jackson jr yeah so it's, which is ice cube's son isn't it yeah yeah um and yeah he's in it and he does a really good job but then his character then eventually they get him out of prison but not until 2015 yeah so like so that this you know that's another 20 years plus this guy was on death row and then eventually they let not 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 do they reduce it to a life sentence or anything they let him out so then so presumably there must have been a similar story that you could make an entire new film all about that because yeah they, let well, him out. <laughs> they went they went from, battle. but they went from about to give him the electric chair to letting him walk out of prison so how did that yeah. happen like do you know what i mean there's such an amazing yeah, it's crazy. And the rate of error that they talk about, like one in nine people who are executed shouldn't be, which is like a ridiculous rate of error. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, all the, all the different elements, all the different inadequacies it exposes in the system are amazing. Um, and that's, that's 
partially what uh, so Brie Larson's character is is not massively fleshed out in the film, which is a part of like I enjoyed the film, but I definitely have some issues with it. Yeah. Um, but one of the things is about the the character that Brie Larson plays is an anti um, death sentence like campaigner. Yeah. And that's what this movement is largely about as well, is getting rid of the death sentence mm. rather than, so as well as it, as well as treating um, this gross and appalling inequality, but it's, that's what her character is about as well. So it's, it's got these sort of mixed messages that are sort of sit within the film itself. And um, I found it really interesting. I, I did, don't get me wrong. I really did enjoy the film. But I just had a couple of there are a couple of things that snagged with me a bit. Like it was the story itself was really fascinating, but the story is greater than the film. Yeah, I feel like, and again, this is another. I'm going to say it again, but you could have made this into a much longer piece and really delved into that. You could have done it as an HBO series. Yeah, and delved into because the biggest thing that's missing for me. Um, and this is something I find with other things about, in like in terms of true life, um, you know, documentaries, because it will be compared as well a little bit to things like Making a Murderer, um, yeah. in terms of the way that the case unfolds and you find out more and like and uh, shocking revelations from testimony and like and you know, all that sort of stuff. Mm. It, did, it did remind me a little bit, and also just in the subject matter, the idea of a, a corrupt police force that, who are desperate for a conviction and the lengths they'll go to to get that conviction. Yeah, there are a lot based of on biases that they have. Exactly, yeah. And it's the same with exactly or very similar to the case that was involved with making a murder with Stephen Avery. Again, mm. the police had a prejudice against that particular family, that particular man, and they twisted it. Or that's the way it's presented to us anyway. It's still up for debate. Yeah. I'm not going to say rightly or wrongly. Anyway, but the thing that was missing from both these things, both from Just Mercy and um, Making a Murderer, is the perspective of the victim's side of the fact the victim family none of that in here whatsoever no and it's and all we we get like little snippets of oh i've just been down and spoken to the wife and she's in tears she's going why would anyone want to drag all this back up again or Mm. all the rest of it but to me from my point of view the the bad guys in this are the police officers are the you know the the system who is trying to push this but if you're you know if your loved one was killed and the police are telling you we've got the guy We've got justice. Mm-hmm. Who you wouldn't question it because you'd just be you'd want that. No, of course you, you'd be yeah. so desperate for it. But then when so, something like this happens, what does that do to you? Like that's a fascinating story, and that's never been done because there's there's been so many things about wrongful convictions, and that wrong, wrongful convictions are themselves very dramatic, and there and there's lots of you know acting moments and all the rest of it. So that's where the focus always is in these kind of stories. But I would want to see okay, so the victim's father, then how does he deal with this? Because he thought yeah. it was over, and so for them, like now, they still have never found the real killer of that girl. No, and they still they. But don't, they were like, saying, but, uh, going into delving, well, it's a true story, so we can't really go too spoilery in this because it's factual and it's already out there. Yeah. Um, they say about at the end, they mention the fact that there was someone else that was suspected of this afterwards, but nothing ever came of it. No, is and it's still it's an open case. To this day, they don't know. Someone it was broad day, like this eighteen-year-old girl who was working at a it was a um, dry cleaners, wasn't it? Yeah. And someone just walked in and and killed her. And they still don't know. And like, well, what was that? Yeah, like I say, I want to know what that does to the other side of things. So, like, or do they still hold a grudge? Or can are they reasonably can they read you know the Supreme Court and all the rest of it? Are the people who go, no, this is wrong, and turn out do they yeah. then have to accept that and forget what they thought? You know, have it reopen again and go right well i thought this was over but it's not and the, and like the man who or the whoever killed my daughter may still be out there and i don't know who it is and they never they never will and no. then the, and the guilt of that knowing that there's a man whose life you knew that that was sentenced for is wrongfully and was like in prison that he was for six years but also, on death row. that's the thing if we're going to be and you know forgive the pun but if we're going to be indicting the police force here and saying these are the ones that there should be more justifiable reasoning in behind that to say this is another one of their victims is not just the man that was 
yeah, that's on death saying. row and was in fear for his life and was just was convinced he was never going to see his family again. And that's a fascinating story. But yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, I that's think, what I think. But both, both it's families. addressing a lot of the like appalling racial behaviour, which is one thing that I don't want to get away from. I don't want to be like, we need to focus on a white story here because this is a black story. But I think, <clears throat> I think the film would have, purely from a narrative perspective, I think if they'd have addressed some more of those things in there, it would have left things a little bit more open because the way that the film is played is a fairly standard courtroom drama. Yeah, yeah. And, and which it's, is... It's brilliantly well done and, and amazingly well acted as well. And I think it's what's great about the performances are they're not particularly showy performances. They're really no. subtle. Um, there aren't any like fists being slammed on the desk saying, God damn it, I need the truth here. And yeah, exactly. Th- right. It's all very drawn out by very talented, like softer yeah. actors. Um, and like Michael B. Jordan, like he gets some of these, some amazing like speeches, but they're not the most rousing, but they're very eloquent and calm. And, and then when you see, so there's been, you know, when they were doing the promotion for the film, he would go out with Brian Stevenson, the real guy. And that's exactly how he talks and he is very eloquent and he is very articulate and he is, and, and it makes perfect sense, but he's not a big grandstanding, like he's not a big dramatic courtroom drama actor type thing. So it's like, no, I'm glad they didn't do that. They didn't overdo it. And same with Jamie Foxx's character as well. He, a lot of it is really contained. Like I think some, some of the best acted scenes in this have no dialogue. I love like I think that there's the scene very early on where it's where Brian is first going to meet the death row inmates mm. and he goes into the prison and he's asked to strip. Yeah. And he just is the most humiliating, ridiculous thing. It's like, you know, a lawyer shouldn't have to strip. But again, it's because he's a black lawyer and you get this, yeah. there's an implied racism and he just, and he's just got this Michael B. Jones with absolute sort of righteous fury like X yeah. on his face, but he just holds it all in. He doesn't explode. He doesn't let it go. Yeah. And that's it. And again, he does another bit later on after he get he witnesses an execution, which is a brutal and, and really beautifully done scene, but it's just, it's absolutely horrible to watch. And again, he comes. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, like you say, it's so yeah. hard to watch and to sort of the slow build up yeah. to what happens there. Mm. And then he, but he walks away from that and meets Brie Larson in the, in the parking lot and he doesn't break down or have a big emotional moment. He's, he's struggling and he's really struggling to keep it all in. And he just, he, he can't even say anything. He's got no words. Yeah. And I think a lesser script and a lesser movie would have had him make some sort of grandstanding speech or break down or, you know, smash the window in frustration or do something yeah, like that. But it would have like a that. sweeping score moment and yeah. it would have come down and it would have been like, Oh my God, he's so affected by this. But, but you can see that through his performance. Yeah. And that's, he, he's so good, Michael B. Jordan. He, he's he's the amazing. De- he's the new Denzel. That's what he is. I just think he's, I just think he's Michael B. Jordan because I think he's better in certain ways. Like he carries a physicality in a way that Michael B., uh, that Denzel doesn't. Mm. Like he carries, like he's got that quiet calm, but he can also do, he can also do the street stuff as well. Like, Denzel does amazing performances, but I think like, yeah, Denzel is king. Michael B. Jordan is king. Like, yeah. they, these guys are both independently absolutely astonishing yeah. actors. And I think, yeah, I think when people are like, I think it's a little bit. No, we're not reductive, but I just think it's he definitely earns his own merit to be who he is. Yeah. And again, that's another thing that I had a bit of a problem with this film is that these people deserved a better, like, I don't know. I don't know whether it was the screenplay. I don't know whether it was the, the script. I don't know whether it was like the direction was a bit underwhelming. Like I, it felt like a TV procedural. It felt like watching a less stylish line of duty. Yeah, I guess, I guess, but, but like, again, like anything that sort of blew my mind. Again, but like, like, I feel like it's it. They approach the direction is approached in the same way as the performances, in that it's unstated, and the important things is the what's the most effective way to tell this story. 
Yeah, so, but and, there's a lot that you could do with that, though, isn't there? Like, there's a lot. There's so much more that you can do by by being a bit closer to the action, by being by having sort of a, an extreme close up of somebody's shot of face whilst they're reacting, mm. rather than just just a square shot and yeah, just another I square guess. shot and just a pan shot and a square shot. I think they could have done so much more with it. Mm. I like, think that's I mean, again what I'm saying is like that. This is putting this down from like like half a half a point for me rather than it being sort of like i don't know right moving it down a grade slightly rather than anything but it was a really really effective really quite moving in places film mm. but i just felt that there was something it could have done a little bit more with yeah i think that there was something there like this guy's story is incredible but it, some parts of it felt a little bit flat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I see what you mean. I think it's just um, it's hard to find that balance, isn't it? I suppose between mm. feeling flat and feeling like you're over dramatizing something. To, to find that maybe they overdid the subtlety and it sort of came across a bit flat. Yeah. But, um, but like I say, for me, it's, it's a performance piece, and it's one of those. It's a story that needs to be told, and that's what's interesting about you know the, the background of it is that. Michael B. Jordan also produced this. Yeah. So he produced it. He like read about the story of Brian Stevenson and because this is based on a book that he wrote himself. Yeah. Um, called Just Mercy. And he sort of read about the story and said, right, this is it. This story needs to be told. We need to put it out on as, as a film. And that might be part of the reason why the awards recognition stuff didn't necessarily happen because with awards recognition, a lot of it comes down to not necessarily giving the quality of the film. It's about the campaigning that goes on to get yeah. for Oscars and all the rest of it. So it's about the, all the schmoozing and the Hollywood and you know getting it in front of the right people and all the rest of it. But when it's gone and been screened at you know um, festivals like the Toronto Film Festivals where it debuted and it got a massive mm. standing ovation and everyone loved it and it was like right. So for them and that why I feel like for Michael Jordan, like he wouldn't have thrown all the money in it and the resources behind getting it Oscar nominated and all the rest of it because he just he just wants to get it made so people know about this story. Yeah. And, and that's and that's one of the things that can be done is it can switch people off because people do get turned off by Oscar bait films. Yeah. And particularly and like, people are like, mm, okay, I don't know, well, you know, it seems it's probably gonna be a yeah. bit arty and it's gonna be really long. And that's, this film isn't doesn't outstay its welcome. No. Yeah, like it's, and that's a, I don't want to sound like I'm hating on it because this is a great film and I think it absolutely is a story that needs to be heard and people mm. do need to see what happens in this and how people are treated. But f- purely from like a filmic perspective, there were just a couple of things that I wished were a little stronger. Yeah. But um, other than that, like, I can't really say, uh, I don't really have that much to sort of complain about. It's not, because it's not a film to complain about. It's a film that should be, that's carrying a message. Yeah. And I feel and like any it, of my gropes aside, this is fucking important viewing. And it is, I feel like it might suffer slightly from that stigma in that I feel like every Oscar season, there is always a, a racially charged Oscar movie every year without fail for however many years. And I think there might be a bit of fatigue setting in with that. And so people sort of feel like we've seen, we, we get the story and it's just another one of those preachy, like we get it. Racism is bad sort of things. Yeah. But, but I feel like it, and it may be suffered from that, but it's a shame that's the case because again, it's an amazing story and it reminds me a bit. So last year it would have been green book, which yeah. got some criticism from people like Spike Lee, who thought, you know, white savior and all that sort of stuff. But yeah. that was, you know, racism is bad. And then and the year before that, you would have had stuff like, you know, hidden figures. You would have had, um, you know, I mean, 12 Years a Slave, obviously. Like, like, but every year without fail, there is one of these. And I feel like it may have got pigeonholed slightly by people if you just saw yeah. the trailer. And that might have put people off. Um, but I feel like it, it's just as relevant, if not more so, than any than a lot of these other films that have been out because it's so much more recent than the, you know what happened. You know, the Green Book, for instance, is set in the sixties. This is set essentially now. It's set well, yeah, you know, the, uh, early nineties. Um, yeah, late late eighties, early nineties, and then when it flashes forward, you realise that some of these cases and some of these things that he's doing are still ongoing. 
Um, yeah. and, and it's still something that they're fighting for. Like you say, a lot of the drive for some of the people in the film, like Brie Larson's character, is to get rid of the death penalty. But the death penalty still exists in America. That's still a thing, which always yeah. blows... It always blows my mind every time I see anything about it. Anytime it's in a movie or anything, the idea that the stake kills someone—it just, yeah, yeah, it freaks me out. I just find it incredible, like, amazing, and and they really don't pull the punches when with the particular with the execution scene in this one. No, um, and they do, and they flesh out those characters. But they they as well. do. They do it in a way that's one of the things that I found most powerful. Is it is done in a really. Um, I don't know. It's uh, it's quite a dignified way. Mm. It doesn't like one of the things that one of the most infamous scenes of like an electric chair you'll see is the Green Mile, mm. and then within that there's a horrific scene with a um, an electric chair, and some of that is quite gratuitous. One of the things that happens when you sort of go in and you and you see it and you're like, right, I understand that this is to show you what happens in this scenario, which is to escalate why this person is such a villain. Mm. Whereas in this, they do it with such quiet dignity. The power that they have over the characters in sort of support of one another, uh, like the sort of the fraternity that they've developed whilst being on death row. Mm. is really powerful and then how later on um tim blake nelson's character yeah i was gonna say uh has an explanation about this stuff that happens on death row but and then that makes you think like it makes it better in hindsight because you're like oh actually so all of these guys are going to be experiencing this horrific thing that he experienced but they're maintaining that dignity throughout and they're that solidarity and the dignity that they all know what's happening here, but they're staying to support. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something, yeah, they, they tap into that, which is another sort of element of it, which you don't think about, which is the, mm. you know, the death row and the being put to death is horrific on of itself. And you're always thinking about the victim in that case, the person who's being put to death, but then you got to also think about the people who are left behind, like imagine. And the fact that it's the execution is performed, if you like, or it is done in the same place. And you can hear yeah. it happening, and I mean, like they have a very visceral, you know, description of you know the smell yeah. that gets into you, and like, and yeah, like Tim Blake Nelson, that particular piece where he talks about it, they, in order to into Tim Blake Nelson plays the character who essentially convicts Walter and he's gave give the testimony, and he talks about how he was manipulated into doing that, and sort of and intimidated into doing that, and by putting him on death row to show him what it's like kind of thing. And the way he describes that is amazing. And his performance is amazing in this as well. I think that should be taken away. I think he deserves just as much recognition as the other guys because he's amazing. <laughs> he's so good. He's got these prosthetics on because the character he's playing had a, a burn when he was a young child. And it means that one yeah. half of his face is like, is, it looks like almost like he's had a stroke or something. So yeah. it's like one half of that is drooping and he's working through those um prosthetics but then what you can do is and i did this this morning you can find they did in order to get the word out about this particular case back in the in the 80s and this is something they're showing the film they did a episode of 60 minutes yeah all about this particular case and in that you get the interviews with the real walter and real you know and all the real people and you realize how spot on tim blake nelson is like everything about the guy, like the way his eyes move, the way he speaks, the way he look, the, the looks he gives to camera, and like everything about it is like, oh my god, he absolutely nailed that. It's so close to him, it's crazy. Yeah, and it's he's great, he's fucking brilliant, and he's but he is consistently yeah, he's he's like people like Jamie Fox, for example, has obviously he's got stuff like he was electro and he's done some some fairly sort of flat performances and tim blake nelson's done you know was the leader in the the incredible hulk um (laughs) but both of these guys are so much better than the um the like the worst of what they've done and they are both 
absolutely killing it here. I love that. You know, that's one of those lines from the end of the movie. Yeah. That when what? he's making his um, appeal to the Supreme Court, each of us is better than the worst thing we've ever done. Oh, that's oh really? That's something he says to the Supreme Court, and you just use that to describe Electro. Um, well, I'm, which is okay. Listen, that's I'm fine. talking about that's Jamie okay. Foxx's performance, man. Uh, like... Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. <laughs> listen. <laughs> I'm sure that they they would be pleased the fact that I pinched their line to describe their film, a film that I very much enjoyed, but still um, had a couple of people's yeah. with. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing with this as well, is the cast is rounded out by some absolute like, top-notch. Like, Brie Larson is a bit of a thankless role for her, um, but she does a really good job in the scenes that she's in. Again, doesn't, you know, they don't spend too, a massive amount of time with her or develop her character hugely but it's not about her but it's again it's one of those films where because of the nature of the subject it attracts this kind of talent and again even like um rafe spool yeah who's like he's if you need if you need someone to be a piece of shit who do you cast (laughs) that's right rafe fucking spool (laughs) but he's fucking great in this as well like his performance as it goes through because you are like this guy's a piece of shit. Yeah. And he's the, the the problem is is that he's not playing a character that's particularly racist. He's playing somebody that is um ambivalent to the racism. Yeah, he's, he's just he's, he's just letting it happen. Yeah. And yeah, that's just... one of the things that's so infuriating about him. You're just like oh! fuck that guy. He could do so much. Yeah. But it's just his own aspirations are getting in the way. He's like his personal ambition is getting in the way of something that could be fucking fantastic. And again, that's something because they, they interview him for the 60 minutes thing and they, they replicate the interview. And again, you can see the real interview is up on it. You can find it on YouTube and it's spot on again, the way he talks and the way they, the look they got of him and just sort of the little like Southern, um, colloquialisms like no sir no sir I don't do that at all that kind of thing they all yeah. do that they all do that and he just he absolutely nails it and again this guy's from he's from the UK he's, yeah. he's like, if you want to see the range of this guy watch Shaun of the Dead yeah as I said oh, yeah hot fuzz yeah and oranges um, but yeah, yeah he's brilliant um, yeah I mean there's not really that much else to say, I don't think. Like, I would really, really recommend this film. I the part of the problem that I, I think this film deserved being in a cinema. Mm. So again, it's another one of those things that sort of like we missed it when it came out at the cinema, and it was sort of limited release because there are very vivid color films being shown more so. Yeah, but at the same time. I think it deserved to have been seen at the cinema. Um, I'd have liked the opportunity to have seen it. I, I think I would have been a little bit more, uh, I don't know, maybe a bit more ingratiated into it, but it's, yeah. Yeah, I think that, that's the thing with me is that I, I, I've actually watched it, I watched it the second time. Um, and you okay. do find yourself like engrossed in it as a story and i feel like that it would have been that experience would have been improved by being in the cinema because you can't really replicate it as, as good as home cinemas are these days you can't really replicate it um at home and it would have been a lot more you know the, the power of some of those scenes you know some of the particularly like you know the the execution scene like the moment of silence after it happens would have been a, a yeah. lot more palpable if you were in a cinema yeah um but there you go that, you know, that is what it is it's yeah. important that they you know made it it's important that people see it i mean and looking into when you do or as you often do with a lot of these true stories you look into it afterwards and it is shocking how true it is how like some of it is even it's more like because sometimes i find with these things they they can sometimes sensationalize it and play it up for even what like the one shot that got me in this was like the um there's a bit where they're watching the 60 minutes um interview happening mm. and it cuts to the um the sheriff who's like this like ultra racist you know horrible bloke who's the sheriff in that in that county yeah. um and he sat there watching it with a the mate and in the background they're at a bar there's the confederate flag yeah 
it's like we get it they're racist you know, like we we really like like how, how far would you have gone without like i like to just imagine it being like like they've got their clan outfits on and just he put, <laughs> picks the hood up huh and then looks at the tv because he's oh wait <laughs> <laughs> but like, still that that's, that's like a common problem in america like yeah like we we don't see it so much here because the over issues that are uh, aside but then you see like statues being taken down or statues being moved or flags being pulled down because yeah. they are like supporting the confederacy and you're like mm, let's let's not do so much of this let's it's not, i mean i mean the other i mean the other thing about like that that particular character as well is that it shows again how much of it's still not a problem like he's shown obviously in a very negative light in this about how mm. he goes about getting the conviction and all the rest of it but then at the end, they with all the cards they put up at the end, he was continually re-elected to be sheriff for that county until he retired last year. He retired yeah. in 2019. Yeah. So he was still in charge, even after this. Even after, the, like, like, he was the guy who got this guy convicted wrongly. And if Brian Stevenson hadn't stepped in, this guy would have died. He would have been yeah. put to death as a result of it. And yet the, the people of the county still felt that he was the right person to dispense justice. Exactly, and kept, and kept voting for him. They can't claim ignorance because it's a massive, like, sixty minutes interview, and now they made a bloody movie out of it. Like, do you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. but they maybe that's again in doing. But that's part of why he retired, man. Like, you know, the film came out last year as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. But I mean, the fact that and, somebody might have been like, maybe don't. Maybe now's a good time. Don't to stand. To, yeah. This year. But just like, yeah, and then there's some things like you watch it, and again you think, did that really happen? Are, are you overdoing it? So there's a point where Brian gets pulled over by the cops, and they pull a gun on him. Yeah, and it's really, really scary, and you just, and it's really over, and it's like, oh, Jesus Christ! And then you, you think to yourself, surely that didn't, that couldn't have happened. And then you read again, read about it. It was even worse in real life. Yeah, in real life, he wasn't even driving; he was sat in his car. Yeah. He sat. He pulled up. He was sat in his car. He was just listening to the end of a song on the radio, and a white woman rang the cops and was worried because there was a black man sat in the car outside. They turned up and pulled a gun on him. That's but the real thing, life like, version of that. I know life. people that this sort of stuff's happened to. Like, like yeah. I've never. I've been pulled over twice in my life. Right. Yeah. One was because I had a damaged tail light, as the cliche goes. Um, but one was just somebody pulled me over and they were like, what are you doing out here? I'm like, just going for a drive. I've had my driving license like two weeks. Mm, having fun in my car, just driving around. And they're like, mm, okay. And it's like, it doesn't make you feel really shitty. But then I've spoken to like friends of mine um, who are like, you know, ethnic backgrounds. And it's not, it's just, like, it's just not believable like when you hear this stuff and they're like yeah it happens to me all the time yeah and, uh, I think the like one of, and it's like the, the subtle racism that exists that I always go back to is like um, talking to different people about things and Jordan Peele gave a really good example that's always sort of stuck with me and really resonated with me is someone was like how would you define racism and he's like well I can't really like Racism is such a wide spectrum. And then someone was like, okay, so how, what would be racist? If I was, if we were to have a conversation, at what point would you know that I'm being racist? And he's like, if we're having a conversation and one of the first things you do is bring up that I'm black. Yeah. Or if you want to talk to me about race right away, you're being racist. Like I'm not, I'm not a character. Yeah. I'm not a token. I'm not something here. I'm not part of this service for you. I have just the right to be here as anybody else. And you just think, God, oh, fuck, actually, like, it's, the, it's the soft racism that's just as bad as, you know, it's probably not as bad as like this sort of horribly aggressive racism, but it's still this thing that's just endemic every day that people just still don't, doesn't occur to them. that You and I, for example, as two white guys, wouldn't 
be like, oh, God, gosh, I can't believe they do that. I can't believe this is awful. And then you think somebody, somebody that might be black, somebody that might be Asian, somebody, especially nowadays, with somebody that might have an Islamic background. Mm. Not even be Islamic. Just the way that people are spoken to. And people make light of it, but it's genuinely this appalling thing that happens every 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 single day. So it's good that we're seeing this like from this perspective because also there are going to be points that we're not going to believe that and they're going to have to dial it back mm. i think that and that's why for me i feel like there needs to be more movies like get out and mm-hmm. like you know because the thing with get out was that it was it was exactly that which was jordan Peele was talking about that subtle everyday racism because I feel like we people are turned off by it, or they are resistant to watch things like this, which are very heavy, like life or death, horrible, extreme racism. And they're like, yeah, it's it's a tough watch. Whereas when you watch something like Get Out, it's more, it's so much more subtle and so much, and a lot more relatable, I guess, for for more people. For yeah, people to and it's not really that. exasperating as well. Yeah, and you realise, oh shit, yeah, this is exactly what people are like, and it is exactly you hear those those things that people say when they don't think they're being racist, but they are being massively racist, and yeah. that is a lot more. Yeah, like I say, it's a lot more every day than something like a man getting convicted for a murder he didn't commit. That's an extreme, like, yeah. sensationalist story. Not to say that it's not as true or as relevant, but it's a lot more accessible when you talk about these everyday acts of racism. So yeah. I feel like more movies and TV shows and things should be made about that because that that's something that people can latch onto a lot easier than these more extreme things. Yeah, but I do, and that's the thing. Like, obviously, there's still these stories still need to be told. Just mercy. Absolutely. I'm not saying either or. I'm saying just more of the other stuff. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? More of the the everyday stuff um, because that gives yeah. everyone a better understanding of what you know. Was yeah. how it, the spectrum, the, the, like you say, the massive, the spectrum that is racism, um, because it's not always a corrupt sheriff going out. It sometimes it's just asking a stupid question or making an assumption wrongly. That's racism yeah. in, in a in a much more subtle form, but still racism. Yeah, exactly, and there, that's the thing. Then it's the everyday racism. You go. Oh, that person. When I first met them, one of the first conversa- one of the things I did was start talking to him about hip hop. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But uh, but yeah, these and that's yeah. It's really I do still think that, <clears throat> like I said, filmically I think there are there's definitely some improvements that could be made to this film. But from a message and a standpoint perspective, this is a story that I think is essential. Absolutely, yeah. And it's and one of those... For this man those... to be sort of <clears throat> brought more into the spotlight. Yeah, I think it's one of those kind of things where you would want people in... You know, it, like, kids in school should be watching stuff like this. You know, because yeah. you, oft, you often get the, like, Green Mile would be something that you'd be you'd watch at school and then discuss it and it would be a whole thing this I feel can stand in that same bracket and be talked about and be said, right, well, what do you think of that? Is it right? Is it not right? What mm-hmm. do you think about the, the justice system and all that sort of it provoked debate. And therefore for, for young people, I think it's important to watch stuff like this. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's the, uh, it's like to kill a mockingbird sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but which is mentioned, obviously there are yeah, going to be quite... sort of fairly direct parallels in there because it's, uh, it's set in Alabama and it's about, um, uh, the trial of an African American man. But... Yeah, well, they they mentioned to get involved quite a few times because this is set not only in Alabama but within the same town that it was written yeah. in. So when he goes to see um, the DA, they go, "Oh, you should go to the the Mockingbird Museum, or you should go to the courthouse." And you, yeah. you can stand where Atticus Finch wants to, and he's like, "You understand that he's a fictional character, right?" It's... <laughs> yeah, and it's like white people patting themselves on the back. Yeah, so I mean, like, you know, yeah, we, it's, it's we know we're winning. It's one of the great, like, and also they again. That is another bit of racism from them. Is like because they're saying this to the black lawyer to say, "Oh, yeah. we're assuming that you must have a, an interest in this again fictional story about about black justice." Or, yeah, or, you know, written or, by a white woman. 
yeah, the, the civil rights movement is like, I was one of the great civil martyrs, landmarks of the South. And I was like, yeah, but it's not real. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. It's, yeah, it's mad. Um, anyway, yeah, really interesting film. Definitely worth watching. Um, check yeah. it out. Hopefully it will get an audience. It may end up on one of the streaming services. At the moment, you can get it through Google Play and Amazon and all these places. I imagine it's available to rent at this point. Yeah, we... Um uh to play uh the contrarian game um we've actually been watching all of this stuff through rakuten rakuten yeah the hell's that um so remember play.com oh my god is that still a thing no well no i think i remember play.com became rakuten right but rakuten set up their own streaming service right like uh like a rent video like a streaming rental service Okay. And there are some free things on there, but um, through a um, an insurance company, my girlfriend gets free rentals. Okay. On Rakuten, so like one free rental a week, which is a really great initiative. <laughs> if so, okay. uh, but yeah, so it's just it's available on there too because that's actually a thing. Okay, all right. It's like the Kirkland and Essex. It's just an off-brand version of it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> yeah. Okay, but yeah, however you want to do it, there's lots of different methods of going about seeing this film now at this point, now that it's out. Um, so yeah, definitely give it a try. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's a good watch. Agreed. Yeah, um, definitely so- go out and watch it. It deserves an audience and it deserves to be spoken about and seen by as many people as possible absolutely and that is for me the only sort of um disappointing thing in terms of his oscar um snubs i guess you can call them is that because it wasn't nominated because it wasn't it, it didn't end up in that in on those lists it might have sort of flown under people's radar a little bit um so just from purely from a profile point of view i think he, he yeah. deserved to get a, at least a nomination for jamie or a nomination for um Michael, um, Michael B. Jordan or someone like that just yeah. so that it would have been up in those conversations um, not necessarily saying it should have won but I feel like yeah and the same with BAFTAs I'm still astonished that he never got nominated for a BAFTA that's crazy for me oh, yeah. but there you go anyway go out and watch it um, we'll be back um, soon-ish with something else we've got loads of stuff that we're still <laughs> chipping yeah, away we, at we've got a backlog that we're going to be smashing our way through and it's yeah. in the lockdown as well so all of this stuff you can watch at the same time that we are. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so I'm not going to say what the next one is because then that ties us into something and I've got to figure out what I've already scheduled. So there will be another episode. Transmorphers. Oh, we're going to watch the, the, we're gonna watch the mockbuster knockoff of the Transformers film, Transmorphers. We still, we still need to do Velocipasta. We do. I tried <laughs> to see if that was on Rakuten. It's um, not. It's not. Um, and I'll, well, I'll tell you, okay, I'm going to commit us to this now. The next movie we're going to do is the Snyder Cut. Well, that's next year, isn't it? Yeah, true. But we're doing it. Well, you've biffed yourself there, haven't you? Because it's, it's, it's not well, then, then I have to wait for this. Oh, yeah, it doesn't work. No. Nah. Anyway, I'm committing now. We're doing the Snyder Cut. But if you're saying, if you're saying, like, if you're committing to the Snyder Cut, then I get this year's veto, right? And then next year, when Fast and Furious comes out, I get 2021 veto. No, bollocks. We're doing the fucking Snyder Cut. Get over yourself. We're doing the Snyder Cut. Shut up. We're doing the Snyder Cut. Get over myself. I'm not getting over myself. I'm getting over that film. No. We haven't seen it yet. You haven't seen the complete version. Brilliant. Uh, I don't don't care for it. Do not talk to me or my son ever again. (laughs) I'm Brian and so is my wife. (laughs) Right. Anyway, thanks, guys. We're off. See you later. Yeah, see you next week. Bye. Bye. Yeah, we've got to do right. We've got to watch five hours worth of the Snyder Cut. Nope. <laughs> it's happening. No, I'm not doing it. Shut up. We've got to. No. We've got to, Tom. I'm sorry. We have to. It's not going to be until next year. It will be a long time away, but we can't ignore it. It's the biggest cultural event in our lifetime. It's not the <laughs> biggest cultural event in our lifetime, you fucking shoe. Of course it is. This Dang. is it. The internet won again. Don't. The internet like, always wins, Tom. You should know this by now. It's just awful.
You don't know that yet. It might be great. It, no, it sets a terrible precedent. No, this is it. This is how it starts. means you just squinny on the internet and you get what you want. Look, they've already put that, that ship already sailed with the Rise of Skywalker. All right, everyone knew that was the case. This that was where the, it set the precedent, and then everything else that comes after that is just more fucking proof of the point. Squinting on the internet, get what you want. The end. That is the world. It. That is the world we live in now. Accept it. Start like, I squinting. Just, I just, what do you want to squinting about? The problem. I I just don't even want to talk about it because I'm so cross. Really? <laughs> yeah, because it's just like, for fuck's sake, like. No, release the Snyder Cut. It's, yeah, exactly. Tom, release the Snyder Cut. No. <laughs> I just I hate the idea that people just piss and moan enough. And it was like, it was disappointing enough with Star Wars, but now, like, it's fucking HBO Max is going to be a thing. That was always going to be a thing. Like, but no, no, no. Like, HBO Max is going to be a thing. And HBO Max's thing is going to be the Snyder Cut. That's their launch, that's their launch title. That's their Mandalorian. Ugh. Well, what else Fuck. do you <laughs> Just burn the planet. No. This is it. This is how we start. And it will, it will rekindle everything. They'll get back. They'll get fucking Affleck will come back. Henry Cavill will get a new movie. It's all gonna, it's all gonna pan out. Everything's gonna be fine. I just want it to be an absolute fucking travesty. Well, I really do. I mean, I like, genuinely, I want it to be a fucking a dumpster fire piece of shit. Well, the, I don't see how he can make like. I genuinely, I don't see how he can make it worse than the theatrical version. Um, because the biggest problem with the theatrical version was that it was half a Zack Snyder film and half a Joss Whedon film. Yeah, I mean, a large part of it was just the fact that it was just fucking silly. Like, yeah. none of it interlinked. No. That's like, like you say, like, it's half this and half that, but yeah, it's so still 100% it, bollocks. Yeah, no, I would rather one thing that's 100%, but like I say, I'd still think that much as it's still crap, BVS is better than fucking Justice League. Yeah. Because at least it's all one consistent, dark, depressing, fucking nihilistic. Boring, boring grey, unimportant, yeah, exactly. At least it's all one thing rather than... Woefully mis- misunderstood for its time and place in the entirety of this burgeoning franchise that could have worked. Yep. Um, but they were like, no, nah, fuck it, just put it at the start. And um, bollocks. We don't yeah. care. <laughs> that's what that's fucked. How do you start? Oh, and an Elseworlds thing that was really important to a lot of people. That's like, uh, like considered a classic. Okay, yeah. And what else are you going to do with it? Uh, we're going to do after that. Oh, we're going to do everything else after that. But we're never going to be able to build to this again. Oh, yeah, it's fucked. Cool. I mean, here's some money. 